You are listening to the sermon podcast of Nielsville Presbyterian Church, a Christ-centered church in Germantown, Maryland. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org. So now we return to our series in Colossians. And I know that you've been memorizing Colossians 1, 15 through 10 through 15, right, since this four-week hiatus, like I have. I have not. So with that in mind, I just want us to read it together. I believe it's on the overhead as well, just to get us refreshed about um, Colossians and what Colossians, the main thing is about, Christ's, Christ's efficiency and his um, supremacy. So let's read it together, and then next week we'll begin to try to memorize it together. Here we go. Ready to read it together? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. All right, great. Now, remember when we, the last message that I spoke on in November, remember that? Um, we talked about satisfaction and where we try to get satisfaction. And we talked about how the church there um, was trying to find satisfaction. Or there were people in the people, the leaders in the church that were trying to tell the, the young believers that how to find satisfaction is by knowing more or experiencing more or doing more. And so here I want to address that more with us on what, what is Paul reminding us of where we find our true satisfaction. And so I'll read again from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 23. But we're going to be more focusing on um, verses 6 and 7 and 9 through 15. But I'll read uh, most of the chapter just for our benefit. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, root it and build up in him, and establish in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, and who is the head of all, rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. There are a shadow of things to come, 
but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on in details about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to the things that all perish as they are used, according to the human precepts and teachings. These have indeed appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Let's pray. Father, again, as we gather around your word, as we uh, look into this passage, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do your work of encouragement. You would do your work of reminding us of where true satisfaction comes from, or that you would um, change us as a result of spending time together this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Rolling Stones has a, a, a song, a hit, many, many years ago, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. And some of the lyrics is this, I can't get no satisfaction, I can't get no satisfaction because I try and I try and I try and I try and I can't get no, I can't get no. I think Rolling Stones are hitting at something for all of us. Yeah, they were probably looking for satisfaction in things maybe that we have never experienced and are trying to get satisfaction in. Maybe some of us had tried to get satisfaction in ways that he has been, how they were trying to get satisfaction but we all try to find satisfaction in many ways. Or we try to find our contentment in other things other than Jesus. God has designed us to long for something, to long for him. So often in our, in our journey in this world, we often try to find this longing, get this longing met in so many other things. It could be our work. It could be our spouses. It could be other impertinent relationships, our children. It could be in our performance, how well we do or don't do. We can find contentment in how we exercise or how we look or what we eat. Uh, we can find satisfaction in how well our sports teams do. I was one for two last yesterday. <laughs> Colts, that's what mattered most. <laughs> Today, Eagles is what matters most to me. <laughs> but there's a wealth of things that compete for our satisfaction. So for the Christian, for us, what brings true satisfaction? Now, we learned months ago, and Paul has reminded us here, that satisfaction doesn't come by knowing more, experiencing more, or by doing more. So what, is, what does bring us true satisfaction if these things do not? Well, verses 6 and 7 and 9 through 12 help us in that. Paul reminds us here in these verses that in our union with Jesus Christ, every spiritual need is fully met. Processing Jesus... We possess all for our spiritual life. There's no need to turn to knowing more, secret knowledge, or experiencing more, or doing more, and being satisfied in life. See, the person and work of Jesus Christ, Paul is emphasizing here, satisfies our need for completeness, satisfies our need for authority, satisfies our need for spiritual life, for forgiveness, for holiness, for cleansing, for renewal, for reconciliation, for our sin debt to be canceled, for freedom, and for power over Satan and his demons. 
See, Paul is emphasizing again to them and to us that as Jesus is head, that he is God and reminds us he is the source of life and authority for all that exists and that he is sovereign over all of it. And he's reminding us in this passage that Christ is thoroughly sufficient for us. I want us to focus on some implications of this truth. That because of, of who Jesus is, that he's fully God and fully man, that he lived this, in this life perfectly and died and, and rose again, that that has meaning for us to find our longing, find our contentment and satisfaction in him. And the first implication is that, that we are spiritually clean, verses 11 and, and 12. Paul talks about this circumcision that was done. Circumcision in the Old Testament, um, Old Testament believers, the fathers would circumcise their son after, I think, in seven days. And this was a sign of dedication. This was a sign of consecration. This is saying, I'm going to present my, my son holy through the act of circumcision, made him holy, made him acceptable, made him set apart. And so Paul is bringing back to that mind and saying, no, what Jesus has done for us in his life and his death has made us clean. We who were once corrupted, we who were once dirty, God has made us now pure and clean through Christ. We are made right with Christ. Through faith in Christ, we are made clean and acceptable to God. Not only are we, through this, the symbol of circumcision, made clean through the work of Christ, we, we share in the experience of Christ's own death and resurrection. It says that we've been buried with him. What does that mean? Well, we share in his death. What does that mean? It means this, that the judgment that fell on Christ... And in him, those who are his died too. See, this old nature, the old regenerated man, has been judged, fully condemned, and sentenced. Yet in Christ, he is raised to a new life. But for the one in Christ, there is now no more condemnation. For the link between sin and death Has been broken. For the for the Christian, death is not a biological, not as a biological fact, but as the wages of sin is over. Sharing in Christ's death does not exempt us from the death of our mortal bodies. But it does, listen, but it does deliver us from any liability to receive the wages of sin. See, in Christ's death, we share in the finished work of his atonement which means that there's no condemnation, no judgment, and no separation for us because it was all placed in Christ, and we have died with him there. But not only have we, we shared in his death, it says that we've been raised with him. Now, this is an amazing truth. By the power of God, Christ was raised from the dead. And he says that we share with that. We are raised with him. That, that, that Christians share in this, his mighty act. So at our conversion, we are raised with Christ. We now have a new life in the Spirit. And through faith in Christ, we have resurrection power. Paul, again, is reminding us that, that, that we have all we need in Jesus Christ. We do not need to look to other things to satisfy us to live this Christian life. Because in Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we have been satisfied. You right now, because you're in Christ, has this resurrected power living and resigning in you. 
You don't need to look for this power in anything else other than Christ and this new nature, new life that he's given you. As I said in the past, I, I ran this super Spartan race. And after that race, I was filthy dirty because we had to kind of climb one of the obstacles where we had to, we had to um, barbed wire um, obstacle. You had to crawl under it and these rocks and hills you had to go through. It made, I had a white shirt on. I don't know why I wore a white, wore a white shirt. Um, but I was completely filthy. And there's no way that in myself I could clean myself. I needed a shower, a long shower with soap and water. I needed something other than myself to clean me up, to satisfy myself to look presentable again. Well, think of it in that way. We are that dirty, right? We are that filthy without Christ. But Christ, in his work, has cleaned us up. Something outside ourselves has cleaned us up, made us clean, made us, made us pure, made us acceptable, made us right. See, so as a Christian, we don't need to, to clean ourselves up. We don't have to, our goal is not to clean ourselves up, right? We, that has been done for us. He satisfies our need to be holy and to clean. We don't have to live in fear of God's judgment and condemnation if we don't, if we fail at sometimes. I have a, someone I, I meet with on a regular basis, one of, her, one of her things that she struggles with is that, that am I acceptable to God? You know, if I do this, will God love me anymore? If I don't do that, will God accept me? She, she has a fear of, 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 of condemnation and judgment on Christ. And every time I need to remind her, no, fix your eyes on Jesus. Because of Jesus, you do not need to fear condemnation. You don't need to fear judgment. He took that for us on the cross. He has made us clean. He's made us acceptable. Jesus sees you today and me today as clean, as acceptable, not corrupted, but pure. Another implication that we see in verses 13 and 14, not only has he cleaned us up, we, ha- we see that our sins are forgiven. We were dead in our sins, but God made us alive in Christ, which means now we are forgiven. God made alive, being made alive involved in forgiveness of everything that has once alienated us from God. Past, present, future sins have been dealt with through Christ. In fact, God's grace is a root principle of our forgiveness. And we see that clearly in verse 14, where Paul says, reminds us, that by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Jesus wipes out the law. And and what I mean here, that he abolishes the law as a means of being acceptable to God. The law no longer is going to define us in our relationship with God because we could not measure up. You see, there was an indictment against us. We have failed to keep God's law. God requires us to keep it perfectly. We could not. Jesus did. So there was an indictment against us, but there's also a bond of indebtedness. We can never pay back our sin debt. We're not that good to ever do that. But God... Through Christ, blotted that out. And the law no longer stands against us. Not only that, it has, it has been taken away. It's been nailed to the cross. This indictment, this bond of indebtedness, had been, has been removed permanently. Its claims against us can never again alienate us 
from God for those who are in Christ. In fact, some theologians suggest that there's an ancient custom where hanging over the heads of any executed person was a copy of the charge on which he was condemned. So if you were condemned as a murderer, murderer would be above your head. When Jesus was crucified, the superscription nailed to his cross contained the words what? King of the Jews. Paul now boldly ignores the real superscription and imagines the law as nailed above the cross. Meaning this, that Jesus suffered and died in order to satisfy in our stead the indictment which was against us and has us set it aside, or better yet, has crucified it. See, the law has been crucified. So over our head is not the law, but Christ. See, we no longer have to live in fear of our sin disqualifying us from his love. We no longer live in guilt or shame over past or present sin. We don't need to live as we owe something to God. See, God has satisfied our debt. He pleaded guilty on our behalf due to our sins. You are spiritually clean. You are eternally forgiven in Christ. And we also see another implication in verse 15. Because of Jesus... We have victory over the sources of evil. Verse 15 says this. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. You see, we, are, we were powerless to defeat our enemy Satan and all his cohorts. But in Christ, God has given us a victory to have power over our enemies. Spiritual enemies. See, Jesus... Paul says, Jesus has disarmed, stripped away the evil powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, or better said, a public disgrace of them. The, there's a picture quite familiar in the Roman world is that of a triumphal general leading a parade of victory. The conquering general riding in the front of his chariot leads his troops through the streets of the entire city. And behind him, as the general is in front, behind him are trails of his spoil, of vanquished kings, officers, and soldiers. Now picture Christ in this picture. He is the conquering general. The powers and authorities are the vanquished enemy Satan and his demons, displayed as spoils of battle before the entire universe. You see, to the casual observer, the cross appears to be only an instrument of death, the symbol of Christ's defeat. And yet Paul represents it as, a, as Christ's chariot of victory. What does that mean for us? Because Christ has satisfied our need to have our, conquer, our enemy conquered, defeated, Satan conquered, we now have the power to fight sin. Because you have died with Christ, because you're raised with Christ, because you're made clean and you're forgiven, you now have the power through the work of the Spirit to fight temptation. We do not have to give in to envy, to lust, to greed. We can actually put others before ourselves because Christ has satisfied our need to have a victor 
And he is our victor, and he helps us to live out our Christian life in ways that we might not think we could. So with that in mind, the implications of what Christ has done for us, that we are clean, we are forgiven, and we have victory over our enemies. Paul, I want to draw us back to verse 6, where he says, Therefore, as you receive Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How did believers receive Christ as Lord? By faith. Paul is saying, how you were, how you were brought into a relationship with God by faith, continue to walk in that relation by faith. As you receive Jesus as Lord, walk and work in his work as sufficient for your salvation, walk according to that belief. As you are saved through the work of the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. As you saw your need and saw your sin in need of a Savior and Lord, continue in that way. Christian life continues as it begins, by faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. You continue our, we continue our communion with him. See, we're not converted or even made holy by gaining knowledge or attaining another experience or following a set of rules. No, we are made holy accepted by accepting what Christ has done for us as a free gift that he gives us. And as we continue to walk by faith, as we continue to rest in his work, then Paul encourages that you'll be rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, in verse 7, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. You see, our obedience is rooted in our faith in Christ. In fact, the Greek word rooted is in the perfect tense, indicating something that has happened in the past, but is at conversion, but still true today. Whereas built up and established and abounding, are in the present tense, indicating an ongoing experience. As we, as we rest in Christ, as we find satisfaction in Christ, we, we are maturing, we are being built up, we're being strengthened, we're overflowing with thanksgivingness, thankfulness. So as we live by faith, we find more and more satisfaction in Christ alone, and we're not dependent on other things to make us happy or complete. Our longing is truly met. See, we understand we need Jesus every day in every aspect of our lives. And the more we rest in that satisfying work of Christ, we walk in his ways. We walk in him. And we grow in being thankful people. We grow in reflecting Jesus to others in everything that we do. So friends, just as you receive Christ, walk in him. Find life and satisfaction in him and in him alone. Relationships will disappoint you. Your work will disappoint you. Your sports teams will disappoint you. But Christ will never disappoint you as you look to him and, and what he has done for us to satisfy every aspect of our spiritual life. We're going to be singing a hymn, Jesus, I am resting. I just want to read the one verse just to get you set up for that. But listen to this great hymn. It says, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what you are. I'm finding out the greatness of your loving heart. You have bid me gaze upon you, and your beauty fills my soul. For by your transforming power, you have made me whole. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what you are, and I am finding out the greatness of your loving heart. Let's pray. Father, as we now enter this time where we are going to take of the Lord's Supper, 
Lord, help us to see this beautiful picture of what is done here as a means of grace, a means of that, your work of dying on the cross for us has satisfied our need for cleansing, our need for forgiveness, our need for spiritual power, our need for victory over our enemies. Father, help us to know and taste and see that, Jesus, you are good above everything else, that we, we know that we have been crudely satisfied because of the work of Christ and the person of Christ. Do that work of grace, I pray. Amen.